All these are elements that allow me to embody this wisdom and, and teach and share this wisdom, which is what I'll be tying into the, the, the presentation um, in July. And yeah, and then if there's a time and a place where that means that I should be a master, um, a master healer and teacher, then that, that may come about. It's, you know, there was a point in my journey where I thought, oh, you know, I really need to become a master. You know, I really want to become a master. But that's the, that's the irony of the whole thing that you just have to let go of all that. So I'm not I'm not so much um, trying to do that, but it would be the greatest honor in my heart if that opportunity was given to me. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. Always wonderful to be with you again. Look, I have on the show, I have this delicious young man called Alexander McPherson. Welcome to the show, Alexander. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. So, so happy to be here. I was just saying to him, he's looking kind of Russian this morning. We could have put a fluffy hat on him. He's looking kind of Cossack with his beard. I don't think I've seen that beard before. Let me tell you how I met Alex. Um, a friend of mine who puts on love festivals uh, asked me to come to a meeting up the road and to discuss uh, another festival that was happening. And I met Alex, who's one of the founders and coordinators. And we were sitting down having a chat and you were talking about, you know, what you were doing. And for some reason I had the, um, the thought to sort of say, Oh, you know, when I was pregnant, I had the name Alexander in my mind as a name for the baby, not knowing if it was going to be male or female. And uh, I don't know why I said that to you, right? Because I've met many Alexanders, many Alexes, lots of them. But I'm just saying this. And um, I said, were you born in Sydney? And he goes, yeah. I said, how old are you? And he said, you know, when you were born the same, the same year as my daughter. Because when I had this name, I didn't love the name as wanting to have the name. But the name was there. And I thought, oh, maybe this is the name the baby wants to be called. And when she was born, she was born a girl and I called her Annika. And then that night, there was an Alexander born in the hospital, two babies born that night, Alexander and Annika. And I thought maybe that's why I had that name because this Alexander was born that same night. And so I'm quizzing Alex here. <laughs> and, and my daughter's born in May, 26th of May. And I we said, thought it was, we, we had a moment where we thought it, that I was that baby. I was well, actually I born 14 days earlier, but it was the same hospital. Right. I know. I was, it was like, hospital. it was the same month. Exactly. It was the same. It was like, well, is this going to, yeah. I know. Cause I'm saying what year and you go the year. I said, what month? And they go the month. And I'm like, oh no. Cause I had often thought, I wonder what happened to that baby that was born that night. Where is he in the world? And then I thought for that moment, I was sitting next to him, next to him, but it was like days, I don't know, weeks, like a, like a week and a half before. So it was not on the same day, mm. uh, but I still think that that name was with me it might not have been about that baby that was born that night it might have been about you anyway. I'm, I'm happy to accept that <laughs> life I'm, is strange I'm, I can that. <laughs> life yeah. is strange and beautiful and miraculous and i just adore this beautiful young man let me tell you a bit about what he's doing 
Alexander spent his younger years exploring the outer fringes of society, running the proverbial gauntlet and basking in any pleasures that came his way. <laughs> After a moment of universal intervention by way of Zeus Thunderbolt and subsequent destruction of the world he held so dear, Alexander began, began a journey towards his true nature led by an immutable voice becoming ever more clear. He's been under the tutelage of his spiritual father, Master Zingang Shao, since 2015. Did I get it right? Shao, pretty good. <laughs> since 2015, learning the ways of the Tao that govern all life. In this time, Alex has become a soul teacher, a Tao hands healer, a Tao source communicator and Tao calligraphy field messenger. This empowerment enables him to conduct his life from the soul information world where manifestation begins. Inspired to transmit wisdom and power through a community forum, Alexander co-created Unity, the meeting place, which he explains as an exploration into the Tao of civility. Alex believes in a reality grounded in love, compassion and forgiveness that encourages true diversity and celebration of spirit. He is one of our speakers for the fourth High Self Expo, where we're going to be exploring where science meets spirituality, created by Zane Daniel, who is also a spiritual teacher and facilitated by six hosts from across the world, me being one of them. And you're going to be exploring and talking about the science of Tao during the talk. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. You know, we've sort of, when when uh, Zane asked me to help him with the expo and he gave me the, the somewhere science met spirituality, to me, science was physics or like that sort of science. But, uh, you know, science encompasses so many, much more really, doesn't it? Mm. So many sciences in the world. It definitely does. It definitely does. And I think we're coming to a very interesting time now where we're seeing um, science and spirituality meeting Absolutely. at various points. And it's, it's a huge thing to think about, to be able to join these two sort of schools of belief or, you know, theology uh, Absolutely. and what that really means in the bigger, bigger scheme of things. So it's, yeah. it's very exciting. It is exciting and uh, not so much with the people I have on the show from America, but definitely in the, the Australian conscious community, I seem to be a little bit too woo-woo for many people. They kind of don't go quite as far as I go down that spiritual rabbit hole. Hmm. They want to talk about mindfulness and they kind of want to try and squeeze spirituality into the science box as we understand science today but i mm. think science has such a long way to go from our current understanding mm. uh, i had a really interesting conversation with beautiful kushik ram last week who's a neurophysicist and i thought that he was a scientist before he had a spiritual awakening but it was actually the other way around he'd had this amazing nde and then he was trying to explain it to people and they're like, well, you're just crazy. And so he went into science to give him a language for what he experienced. Wow. But let's talk about your journey. Mm. Like, what was the thunderbolt? The <laughs> <laughs> Zeus thunderbolt. If, if, if anyone was confused throughout that uh, introduction, that was intentional. So I'm very, uh, don't feel bad about that. Uh, 
Zeus's thunderbolt is what I termed my spontaneous Kundalini awakening, essentially. Um, And it it felt as though Zeus had taken his thunderbolt and cracked it through the middle of my skull. And um, there's a whole backstory to what kind of led to that happening. Uh, A number of synchronistic events. I was meditating in the bath for hours a day. I was all of a sudden writing this sort of triple infinity symbol on a beach and I became like unlocked something in me and I became completely obsessed in a period of time where I wasn't consciously exploring spirituality um, even though I was quite open and you know you know intuitive and all that sort of thing I was probably maybe more in that realm that you were talking about um, Karen where I was kind of still operating a bit more from the mind potentially so it, it basically just cracked me open. I went from thinking I'd found my home in sort of a, a um, pretty alternative underground inner West Sydney scene, you know, warehouse parties, lots of drugs and alcohol. And, you know, um, it was, it was wild and it was fun and I was young and I was having a really good time. And obviously it was just time for me to do something different. And then Zeus came along and struck me in the head. What exact? How old were you when this happened? Uh, I would have been twenty-three, I think. Okay. And what exactly happened? What do you mean? It, like, were you, you were meditating and you had sort of energy moving and then your mind exploding? What what, what happened? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so it started on a beach probably a month earlier, and I was with my girlfriend there at the time near Byron, actually, which is where I am at the moment. We we're on this private little inlet, so we we're just hanging out naked, you know, enjoying life. And we, we actually smoked. I don't do a lot of psychedelics these days, but they certainly served me on my journey. And we'd smoked um, what's called chunga, which is a, um, a DMT in a, almost an ayahuasca style blend. Um, and I started looking out over the water and I could see every rivulet of the ocean glimmering and sheeming and dancing all in you know, this beautiful symbiosis. And then I looked down to my left and I realized with my non-dominant hand, I was drawing this perfect triple infinity over and over and over again. And it, it just was so hypnotic that it started unlocking things like, like the concept of moving from a state of duality to two points. You know, what does that mean in understanding, you know, you know the way we think? Um, what does it mean for energy? Having two points in relative motion gives you an infinite amount of energy it's like a flux capacitor it's actually what i equate now to the concept of a merkaba um, which can be understood as both an analogy for the spirit and the mind but also as an energy body in of itself so I, i i just became obsessed and i was having everything reflected back to me in my reality was was mirroring what i was experiencing internally like I started thinking about like the shape of a sphere and a sphere is a net of like 12 of these shapes. And what does it mean for spheres to be within spheres and around spheres interacting, right? Then I walk into the bathroom. At this point in time in my life, I was having about three hour baths. I was unemployed. (laughs) I was spending a lot of time in the bath. And that's where I think a lot of this initial work was done. Um, So I walked... (laughs) Good place to <clears throat> good place to have spiritual teachings. Right, right. A That's universe, a universe city. Your university from the yeah. universe. Yeah, in the bathroom. That's right. right. That's right. That's what I picked. I dropped out of school and did that instead. Um, so I walked in, and then there was one of those like um, 
one of those mirrors, like those makeup mirrors that turn and it had been turned around and I'd never seen this before. The mirror had broken and it had broken out this little piece of like one of these 12 shapes that I was thinking about. And I was just like, it was all that sort of stuff. It was literally the shape I'd been meditating, like thinking about was there reflected back at me. And I had like maths going off in my brain. I had no idea what was going on. It was all pretty wild. Um, and that culminated in me lying there one night on the bed. I was watching a burning spear film with a guy who just happened to pop by. This house I lived in was like 20 different people on any given day, meeting all types, lots of fun. Um, so this guy, this is, I've only known him for a couple of days. He's passed out and I'm lying there and I was like, I need to put salt on my tongue. And I didn't really know why. Like I, I sort of started thinking about it. I was like, oh, maybe I'm getting a cramp. But it was like, no, nah, I just need to put salt on my tongue. So I walked out into the, um, into the kitchen. I picked up one of those big tubes of salt and I started pouring it on my tongue. And as it, as it piled up there, my third eye started going. Uh, and then I went and lay back down. And from my feet, I started feeling this fluttering, this very gentle fluttering like a feather that came all the way up the back of my legs, all the way up my spine, all the way over the back of my head. And then when it reached my crown, it was just like, so much light, like, and, and so intense that I thought, I actually thought I was having a stroke. I didn't know what, like I had no, I wasn't in the spiritual communities at this time. People weren't talking about any of this stuff. I was just having this experience that was totally unfathomable. And, um, I sort of, you know, sat up and went, what was that? And the next morning I woke up dreaming about my friend on Facebook. And in that in-between waking sleeping state, I was then led to her friend who then to his profile picture about the fifth one along, which had this sun being, which was the Kundal a, a depiction of the Kundalini God. And I clicked on the link that was associated with it. And it talked about the seven stages of the Kundalini I clicked on the seventh stage of return and it said element salt. And I was oh, like, M G. Yeah. Oh, like, what is going wow. on here? <laughs> yeah. You know, Alex, I've been talking to people for 30 years about this stuff and I have never heard that before. I've never heard that before. Mm. Wow. Mm. Wow. It's amazing how we can just keep on learning. So, the seventh stage of the Kundalini, which obviously must be the crown chakra exploding open like a Zeus thunderbolt, the element I think it's associated kind of with the snake eating the tail. Even that, uh -huh. that was it was like a full circle. Yeah, the stage of return. That's yeah. Wow, wow, and it's fascinating that you were getting all this sacred geometry and math and stuff. Just um, okay. This is fascinating. I had no idea. I had no idea about this. <laughs> I love talking to people on the show. I find out so much more than when you meet people socially. Uh, so did you understand why you were getting all the math and the sacred geometry? And well, what happened after that? I'm still, to answer the first bit, I'm still understanding all of that. Uh -huh. you know? And I think part of my, my role, I feel like part of my soul calling is to help bring... Um, ancient ancient technology back right we can call it ancient or like that we should have known before right you know yeah. in the times of like the pyramids and what we can see like go back like tepe and in um in turkey like 
I've had a lot of downloads and there's a whole story around that. So I feel like it was elements of that was probably tying in. Um, but yeah, what happened was my life took a very drastic turn and really it wasn't very pleasant. You know, it was, I, I explained it like God took my mask and just smashed it. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't have any point of reference anymore. I didn't have people around me that I could talk to this sort of stuff about. Yeah. Uh, and I, I felt completely out of place, you know, yeah. um, my adrenals went up. I yeah. became very depressed. Um, I couldn't make music anymore. And music had always been my God up until that point. Um, but I, I was too I was sort of on edge to do that. Um, but that's what was needed to, to direct me into a new direction. And, and, and I, I, I was being fully guided. I was led to people that started giving me answers. I worked very closely with a kinesiologist over a period of a year to start balancing different things in my body. Cause I had, I sort of realized later how far I'd pushed my physical body in those days. Cause mm -hmm. my by my nature, I'm not like a, a really, um, you know, like I don't have infinite amount of physical energy. Uh, and I was really, really tapped those resources. So it's probably, it was probably, you know, there was always a discovery in those years. The party for me wasn't just about having fun. It was always a deep searching. And, you know, perhaps it was that deep searching that, that emptied me out so much. I had nothing left that it maybe just happened, had to happen at that time. Um, yeah. So that's, that started a whole journey for me, which, which, um, led me to India, um, you know, led me to meet my teacher and really started a whole new, a whole new way of life, I suppose. But yeah, it wasn't easy. I had to leave behind a lot of friends, like a lot of friends. I'm writing about this in this little, I'm writing a little chapter. I'm not here to promote myself, but I'm writing a little book at the moment for a chapter called Fearless Presence that's coming out, um, a little sort of a multi-authored book. And I've been reflecting on a lot of this stuff and, um, you know, it was, it was, it was very difficult to, you know, to leave such a rich scene in many ways with so many dear, dear, dear friends um, and not being able to explain to them why I couldn't continue on that path anymore. And, and it was, it was heartbreaking. It was totally heartbreaking. Um, not for me then moving by myself and going to many years of relative solitude and also knowing at the same time that they were, in pain around it as well and and felt i think abandoned um on on many levels how did your parents cope with this like were your parents into any sort of consciousness exploring expanding ways what was, <laughs> Not, what was going? look i speak because you know i'm a parent of someone who's the same age as you and um yeah 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 it's a good question um not really that they're not consciously on this same sort of path i suppose even though i i believe all paths all paths lead to rome all paths lead right. to one so I, I i acknowledge everyone where they're at but um they, they're not doing the same sort of working the same realms that i am but i always bring them back to different things that have happened in their life uh that when they've had a, a slightly mystical experience um uh, my mum, both my parents grew up in the salvation army and oh. my mum's still involved with that and they're both very open um, hearted and minded. I remember asking my mum when I was like six years old, I said, mum, cause I'd, I'd heard for the first time, I think that, you know, this concept of if you're not Christian, you go into hell sort of thing. Right. right. And I was like, mum, like, and then like, I think I'd known that, but then I pieced that in with finding out that only like 20% of the population was Christian. Yeah. I was like, but mum, 
it's all these other people. <laughs> are you saying that all those people are going to hell? And I remember her, she was, she was doing the washing, right? She was, she was putting, just putting the clothes in the washing machine. She just sort of turned at me and said in this very relaxed way, I think it goes a bit beyond that, darling. I think it goes a bit, she said, I think it goes a bit beyond that, darling. Like, I think it's a bit bigger than that. Um, and it was, it was, she was sharing deep wisdom. And, mm. and that, was a, that was a heart transmission that she gave me at that age. Um, so I need to really acknowledge my parents and, and where they have lit my way. Um, yeah. And uh, even, even though they're not necessarily doing um, the, the same sort of working in the same realms, but they, they, they we're now at this point in time where they're very intrigued. They're yeah. very intrigued by my perspectives and we have very rich conversation. And I've, I've learned um, to respect them in a way that, um, you know, there was a period of time where I just wanted to blow the, blow the lid on everything and like, you know, but then that, that had to come back to me or what am I needing to heal here if I really need my parents' perspectives on all this to change. So right. it's a much, um, I, I find it's a rich dialogue now with my family and I'm always, I'm always learning. I think mm. probably you could relate to that and I think maybe other people could in those those relationships oh, absolutely um you know for those people who don't understand what the salvation army is it's a christian-based charity that goes around doing good things in the name of christ and god and all that sort of thing and it's great it's wonderful but it is based in religion uh, yeah it's a church as well there's the whole church, church and right. the charities are part of a part mm. of that yeah uh but yeah, it's interesting listening to this because uh, it's kind of been the opposite with my daughter. I was trying to force her into my ideas and she's like pushing back, wanting to be more mainstream and like, don't come at me with your woo-woo ideas. I'll tell you what, when The Secret came out, because I was always talking about deliberate creation, law of attraction, and her friends at school were sort of going, oh, wow, have you seen this stuff? She was like looking at them going, oh, you're okay with this stuff? <laughs> I've been getting this my whole life. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, the journey for us, whatever point of the spectrum you're on, is to just allow people to be who they want to be until the time is right when there is transformation ready and open, when there is an opening when the time is, I don't know, just that allowing, 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 yeah, not mm. trying to force our perspectives on anybody really. <laughs> mm. um, one, yeah. one thing I learned <clears throat> or one thing that was shown to me very strongly before Unity this year, I'm not sure if you remember me saying this, Karen, I started getting followed around by cicadas. We're going to get a bit more woo-woo now, but, but I'll give you the context of the story. Um, <laughs> Sorry, is it okay if I keep telling stories? Are you happy with oh, that? Oh, yeah, this is what yeah. we're up for. So Unity is the festivals that Alex and uh, Raf and um, uh, gorgeous Rowan up the road. Um, Ronan and Joe, uh, yeah, Ronan, Joe from Love Fest. Yeah. Joe. So these beautiful young men have been putting on these uh, gatherings, these festivals, and they're awesome. We'll go into those later. Yeah, but we've just had one. How many weeks ago? Uh, it was probably a couple of months. months uh, end of Feb, 20, 21st of Feb around that time. So what happened before Unity with the cicadas? So I started getting followed around by cicadas. Um, <laughs> it started down south. I was down, um, I was down the sort of Tathra, Bega Valley area and I walked onto this piece of land and I was walking along barefoot with a friend of mine and I never felt so at home. I really, really, it was just like, I'm home. Um, I'm very deep within my body and my soul, this peace. 
And then we kept walking on this ridge and there was just hundreds and hundreds of cicadas like everywhere. And like you hear them a lot and you see them, their shells on the trees. And the ironic thing is when I was young, I was so freaked out by cicada shells and my, my brother would put them on me. And he, I remember this day in the park where my brother put cicada shells on, on me and I was freaking out so much, like running around and my mom and my grandmother were just there laughing at me. I was like, ah, help me out. Um, but I, I, sorry, I, I find that with sometimes with power animals or insects or whatever, there is initially sometimes a fear that you'll feel when you connect with them. Anyway, so all these cicadas are flying around me and that's where it started. So we looked up what it meant, the symbolism of a cicada. And the thing that really stood out to me is that every single cicada makes their own unique noise, entirely unique. Yet you hear them and they're all in this harmonic resonance. So this for me became a symbol um, of what unity means and, and being able to hear everyone's unique voice um, within of that great unity. Um, so it continued from there. I literally got followed around by cicadas. I traveled up the coast. I went to meet our friend Linda Osborne, Cockatoo Dreaming, who was part of unity. All of a sudden I'm talking to her and the cicadas start responding. Like they, they would change their pitch based on what, what they felt around the question, questions and things I was asking Linda. And she said, oh, we never get cicadas here. Wow. Uh, and it continued and it continued to a point where just before the welcome to country at Unity, I was sitting with all the elders um, and we'd gone inside because uh, it started raining and Linda had sort of said, oh, Alexander's got the cicada magic. <laughs> we, went, we went back outside and in the middle of the mat was a big cicada just sitting there that had fallen in the storm. So I actually had the, the opportunity to hold one and, and, and be there with it. So it's, um, it was definitely a bit of a totem for unity, that understanding. I, I, I'm not sure if cicadas are a global phenomenon. Uh, I, I think it's more of an Australian thing. I don't know. Are they all over the world? So for people that Ooh, are watching sure. and listening to this who are overseas, the so cicadas are an uh, insect, I suppose, that uh, hibernate underground in these shells. I don't know how they start out. Do they start out as a worm? I'm not sure. Probably and a they larva go, or something. And they, um, they bury themselves underground and they sort of hibernate there for how many years? Like seven years? Like a quite, a very quite long, long time. A long yeah. time. Yeah. And then they come up in these brown hard shells and they break out of these brown shells and they're sort of the shells are left all over the trees all over the bush there are these hard shells these brown shells and they kind mm. of look like sort of scary monsters like little scary monsters and this thing that comes out is this beautiful green long bug with wings and they make this unbelievable noise with their wings and it, when you're in the bush sometimes the cicada noises can be absolutely deafening mm. but there is mm. always a symphony as you say there is this symphony there are these these nuances in the sound there's this like if you sit and listen there's this symphony of sound it's incredible mm. absolutely it really is. incredible it really is. yeah it's a bit um it's a bit like if you've ever heard i'm just thinking i, I want to actually it'd be amazing to record them and slow them down yeah because I've heard um, grasshoppers slowed down. Have you ever heard that? No. I think it's grasshoppers. Yeah. I think it's grasshoppers. It's, it's another bug that they slowed it. They recorded them and slowed them down like really high definition. You, you should listen to this. It's like angelic choir. Oh. Like, like you wouldn't yeah. believe. And it's just constantly evolving and forming. And 
and it's like the most beautiful children's voices, like the cherubim are singing through the, through the, um, is it grasshoppers? I don't know. I'll have to find out. I, yeah, if you look up, slow down insects, Google it. Beautiful. I will. Then I will. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, so a symphony of diverse voices creating harmony. Oh, that's beautiful. That's the, that's what the world is, isn't it really? Uh, that that's yeah that's where we're going in our in our global community if we can all uh, celebrate each point of view as part of the whole and part of the symphony that mm, things in absolutely. harmony that's i've been reflecting very deeply on that yeah as a mm. so tell me about meeting your master your teacher your teacher the Tao, the Tao, master shah master shah yeah, that's a story too to, what what was going on there you you said you went to india it's funny how we go to india i never went to india seeking seeking realization i went because my husband was an my ex-husband was a Hare krishna and he just insisted we go to india all right yeah cool <laughs> but uh you went to india and then how did you meet master Shah? yeah so i'd actually met him before india so all that kundalini awakening everything that happened around 2013 and then every i was living between two worlds for a while I would still go out on the, the party scene, not come home for a week. And then I would go and spend a week in, you know, basically by myself and be reading all these new things. And um, yeah, there was a book that was very powerful at that time as well called Ponder on This, which is uh, actually the writings of Alice Bailey um, from the early theosophy, um, a, a theosophy movement or whatever it was called. The whole thing that, yeah, anyway, I digress. So I was having these sort of experiences and, and going into this, this space. And uh, I walked up to the Thai Pad Thai takeaway restaurant in Glebe. It was on the corner there and it was not the type of restaurant you'd ever go and sit in. It was sort of a couple of plastic chairs in the, in the corner. And I walked in and I ordered my Pad Thai. And then I sort of glared around my shoulder and I did always have a thing with books. Like I'd go into libraries and books would like jump at me and I see Thai cooking book, Thai cooking book, soul healing miracles. What is that? It's an interesting thing to be in a Thai, Pad Thai takeaway restaurant. Anyway, someone had dropped it there. They'd been guided to drop it there, right? So I went over and I sat there and I put, I opened the book and something very profound happened the moment that I opened this book because I'd been getting introduced through my kinesiologist and through these writings to, um, you know, the idea of this spiritual realm and some people talking about angels and some people talking about Buddhas, some people talking about, you know, all these different realms. Um, mother, some people talking about healing with Mother Earth or just universal frequencies or whatever it was. I open this book and I see like the invocation from Master Shah, which is one of his five or six power techniques, which is to say hello. To invoke healing or to invoke transformation, you simply just need to say hello. Um, so, but I start reading it and it says, dear divine, dear Tao, dear source, dear countless healing angels, archangels, ascended masters, gurus, Buddhas, kahuna saints, Buddha saints, Hawaii saints, dear mother earth, dear heaven, dear countless planets, stars, galaxies, and universes. And I'm like, this guy's talking to everybody. Like, but there was a, there, that was the click moment. I was like, he's my teacher. And I wasn't even looking for a teacher, but I, and I didn't 
I didn't actually start studying with him until I got back from India the next year because I wasn't ready. Um, but it was that moment that sort of set me alight. And I did this brief practice. I walk out onto the street and everything had changed. There was like, it was, it was sort of twilight and all, I remember looking up at the stars coming through the trees. We just had this, they were just glistening and everything felt lighter. Um, so I came back and I did a, a practice again the next night. I actually sat in this restaurant and I did this, I, I read the book and I opened to the front page and there was a little sticker that said Master Shah will be in Sydney two days later. And he's only been to Sydney like, you know, four times ever. So it's not like it was that common thing. And, what year um, was that? 2013? 2014. Yeah, 2014. Yeah. I wonder, somebody uh, took me to see him. Uh, I think it was that year, actually. Wow. They, um, it was some PA agent, I can't remember her name, gorgeous woman, and she got me a seat in the front row and uh, I sat there listening to him. I think she wanted me to put him on radio and interview him, but I didn't. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. Um, oh, interesting. We may have been there at the same time. I uh, I had one of his, what do you call them, disciples, masters? Because in this, in his structure or organisation, when you become a, at a certain stage, you call yourself master. So there's lots of masters out there. Uh, yeah, master teachers and healers. Master teachers. Yeah, and they call so. themselves masters and they insist that people call themselves masters. No, but, it's not. It's, it's, it's kind of moved away from that a little bit. Um, has it? Oh, I had this was, very humble woman. She had a real nun energy, but she was a, one of his master teachers. She came on the show and yeah. spoke about it. Yeah. 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 On, yeah. On, so on there's, live radio. Yeah. There's, 10, there's 10 centers around the world. So it's. Um, there's, there's one in Sydney and, and through Europe, North America. The one in Sydney is the only one in um, sort of Asia Pacific, but there's classes and things that we stream out all around. Um, so, yeah, so there, there's this model when, when Master Shah is empowering people to go out and, and be healers and be teachers and, and share that wisdom as well. So mm-hmm. that's, uh, there's, I think there's about there's over 100 master teachers and healers now around the world. I think it might mm-hmm. be like 150 something like that mm. and um yeah so just kind of kind of happens when it's meant to i suppose if, if that's your path and journey but um yeah i'm very blessed to, to have a whole community of people who've, who've supported me so you didn't feel to pursue the sort of master healer under the master shah uh, well in some ways i i vintage. in some ways i am pursuing that um <laughs> but it's it's not a set uh road as such where it's like it isn't it isn't like i've i've involved myself very deeply in this journey and these studies and i've i did the 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 healing training initially and when i first did that my thinking at the time was oh i'll go and become a dow hands healer and i'll use that in association with all these other things that i was that i was exploring mm-hmm. and i just realized that this was sort of my path and the resonance was here for me and then so i took that deeper and it, it's quite broad, the, the spectrum of, of what Master Shah makes available. So there's the healing path, there's the wisdom path, there's a, a spiritual communication, soul communication. So we've got, he teaches us four spiritual channels in the body. Um, so I, I, I did a two-year training to open and develop my spiritual channels. I did a two-year um, training to become a soul teacher as well. So all these are elements that allow me to embody this wisdom and, and teach and share this wisdom 
which is what I'll be tying into the, the, the presentation um, in July. And yeah, and then if there's a time and a place where that means that I should be a master, um, a master healer and teacher, then that, that may come about. It's, you know, there was a point in my journey where I thought, oh, you know, I really need to become a master. You know, I really want to become a master. But that's the, that's the irony of the whole thing that you just have to let go of all that. So I'm not, I'm not so much um, trying to do that, but it would be the greatest honour in my heart if that opportunity was given to me. So when you were on this accelerated sort of learning curve with the Master Shah community, did you did it explain to you the kundalini awakening and the math and the sacred geometry did you get some insight into what that was all about absolutely yeah okay yeah yeah there's i mean i could explore that from a few um directions master shah teaches about the kundalini quite a bit so a lot of the the dao practices um are developing the different spaces in the body um and increasing their light density and, and uplifting their frequency so that includes the sort of the chakra system it includes the the dance like in the asian system like the lower dantian and includes the kundalini as well so the kundalini has actually been throughout all ancient traditions so the, the the kundalini is what's most known through sort of the vedic and and um sort of hindu yogic traditions um but in chinese medicine it's called the ming men area the Taoists called it the golden urn and they talked about building the golden urn and the Buddhists referred to it as the snow mountain. And there's a very sacred snow mountain practice um, that the Master Shah has shown as well. So, uh, yeah, so I have learned about the Kundalini and I developed the Kundalini uh, quite a bit. And uh, really it's, it's a daily practice to, to particularly build those foundational centers because that um, it grounds you, but it also gives that energy for the rest of the body and for your whole life. And, boost your, your stamina and your immunity and all that sort of stuff. So there's that aspect of that. And then I guess the real empowerment that I've got is through the opening of my spiritual channels. Um, Cause I did come into this and I wanted answers. I remember doing a, doing a session with one of the master teachers and being like all this sound frequency, all this technology, like I want answers. I want answers. You know, tell me, tell me about all this. And um, it was very humbling. Cause it was just basically like, you know, you have to go step by step, but through opening the spiritual channels, I now have this direct relationship with the whole soul world, essentially, um, or have that ability to interact um, with the with the soul world and ask questions and actually receive that guidance directly for whatever it is that I'm that I'm supposed to know around that. So I, I feel like that is a a huge uh, a huge tool on the journey to be able to have that direct uh, relationship. Personally, I think a huge tool. I think it's the most important tool. Uh, finding the wisdom within as much as we can study under the masters and read the books and listen to the podcasts and do the courses, it is that wisdom within that serves us the most. It is opening, opening to that access. Uh, so this is what I do a lot with my clients and my little tribe is get them to tap in, mm. tune in, turn on to their own wisdom uh, it's, it's very nice to listen to other people's wisdom, but ultimately, ultimately, other people's wisdom is um, is a reminder of your own wisdom. It is that memory, that memory. I, I suppose that when you were learning all this stuff, 
the way that it sinks in is that it just activates a memory of knowing, just a knowing inside your soul that, um, oh, I know this stuff. Oh, I know this stuff. Yes, that's my truth. Mm. I don't know how I know this stuff. I don't know why, but yeah, that's something I believe. That's my truth. Is that how you felt when you were like discovering? Absolutely. You know, like true wisdom is from the heart. Mm. And when you hear that or experience that, you, you know it within you. Uh, it doesn't need to be thought through or analysed. This actually comes back to the, the Tao science or the, the law of Shen Chi Jing, which is the soul leads the heart, the heart leads the mind, the mind leads the energy, and the energy leads the matter. So it's, it's going beyond the mind over matter. Ooh, that was um, so good. Let's and just... really... Let's just do that again. I just, I just want to go over that again. So the soul leads the heart. Yeah, sure. The soul leads the heart. The heart leads the mind. The mind leads the energy. And the energy leads the matter. Okay, the energy being how we would interpret the energy, we feel that energy as emotion, as feeling, as emotion, as energy in motion. Like we feel the energy of the mind as emotion so when you think an angry thought you feel that energy as ah. when you think a loving thought you feel that energy as ah. so that's mm. the energy mm. and then that energy um that is an interpretation of the energy i suppose that is the energy that is manifesting attracting creating oh i loved mm. that mm. yeah go on please go on in in the doubt so in the Tao science the scientific perspective on that is um the soul is information or message and this is what this is what we talk about in the presentation so the soul this is I'm, I'm thinking like this theme i was talking to you about this before karen of of demystifying the soul and then remystifying uh-huh. the soul remystifying science you know um so anyway i digress the soul is the information or the message and the soul leads the heart and the heart is the um the heart is the receiver the heart is the receiver and the heart leads the mind and the mind is the processor. The Shen are also one. It's all one. Shen Chi Jing are all one, but they can be understood through this information system. Right. So also in the ancient Chinese wisdom, they say the heart houses the mind and the soul. So the heart, it holds all that, but within of that, the soul actually leads if you're healthy, so to speak, if you're in alignment, the soul will lead the heart, the heart will lead the mind, but we can get into our mind sometimes and, and try to control or want to do this or that. And then the mind leads the energy and the energy is essentially like the mover or the actioner. And this can actually be understood on the cellular level as well in the body. Um, The body is the combination of the energy and the matter. And the matter is obviously what we look at in, um, in uh, Western medicine, so to speak. Right. It's the physical, it's what we can see, right. or the jing. So the energy, which is the action of the mover, moves the jing, um, the, the matter, and actually brings about the manifestation on that level. So manifestation is happening through all those levels, even though we see it physically with our eyes with the matter that is around us Mm. or within us. Well, everything is energy. Even matter is energy. It's just energy Mm. slowed down to a density where we perceive it through our physical senses as tangible 
it's we can see it we can touch it we can smell it we can hit it you know we can feel it like whatever matter is body matter computers chairs uh yeah so it's, mm. it's fascinating all this stuff or yeah it, it is it's 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 actually to, to to kind of like touch back on like bridging you know when you're talking about your daughter and and and, and i find this as well that there's people that want the wisdom or are more like oriented on like the infam- like the mind level you could say even though they actually maybe are really on the heart the wisdom level that they're really searching on but they need that and then then sometimes in the sort of the spiritual community we can say oh it's all oneness it's all information like it's sorry it's all um, energy you know mm. just connect with the energy mm. and and what i really love about having both of them and seeing how they interact is Yes, it is all the energy. It is all energy, but we can also understand that in terms of what that means. Um, and this this gets back to the Tao principles, uh, which Tao Tao can be understood as the source. It can be understood as the way of all life that that operates through and within um, all life. Like you could even I I this is my personal thing. I I could even call it like the golden thread that they talk about in Christianity, sort of thing. Um, but um, that can then, if you understand the what's called down normal and reverse creation, is everything is going through this creation cycle of moving from the oneness into infinite creation and then moving back into oneness. So through those steps of creation, there are universal principles that that um, that sort of govern how that creation happens at that level. And also give us an understanding about how we move back to the Tao, how we move back to the oneness. So the Shen Shi Jing um, principle and universal law, it's a universal law because it governs all life. It, it, can, it can be used to give insight and understanding to all life is, is the principle of three. But there's sort of yin and yang, which is the principle of two. The five elements, which people probably you know, might have heard of, that's like the principle of five. So all of these things are again like 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 the your diversity we were talking about before. Like there's infinite diversity, but that can also be understood within a, the oneness, um, which I, I love. I love that interplay um, and and the not squaring of the head, where we can start to 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 understand this wisdom and 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 still feel that it doesn't separate us actually, again, coming back to the heart and understanding that it's actually within us and uniting us um, together. So mm. it's the wisdom for me. I'm a, I'm a wisdom seeker. I, I, I love wisdom and it just, it, it, it sets me on fire and it gives me these ultimately these moments of peace mm. and letting go. It's not, it's not trying to understand more and more and more. It's actually a letting go that the wisdom will widen the heart and everything just makes sense and you just take a big deep breath and go oh, yeah isn't that beautiful it's like like i was saying before it ignites the knowing within you and you can rest in the knowing rather than be consumed with the seeking mm-hmm. but that, that you know what you just said that goes back to you finding the prayer in the in the thai restaurant where he was including everyone and that knowing in you that we are one, but we are diverse, we are separate, but we are one, mm. was ignited when you read that prayer. It's like, oh, man, he's just talking to everyone, <laughs> like mm. angels and gods and rishis and saints, and he's just including everyone. He's not 
excluding any of it. Mm. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Uh, beautiful. Beautiful. Mm. Let's talk about the inspiration behind Unity Fest and uh, mm. where, where you want to, what's your vision with it? Where you want to take mm. it? And uh, how did you meet Raf and Ronan and Joe? How did you guys come together to, to um, manifest this? Yeah. Great, great Dream. question. So the the concept originally came out of um, a group of us within the Master Shah global community. Mm-hmm. A lot of the young people who wanted to um, use like create a festival and use that as like a big container, a big heartbeat to bring love and light and transformation. And it kind of came from. Um, the concept of love, peace and harmony, which is actually the non-for-profit organization that um, Master Shah started. And it's about singing love, singing love, peace and harmony actually changes. I think you had Nicholas on your show. Yeah. And he did a whole talk around this where he traveled around sharing love, peace and harmony and um, as a tool for transformation, because what we sing is what we become. So the concept of the event originally was to create this coherence um, in which everyone can be an embodiment through all the things that we do, whether it's the singing, the dancing, the speak, the, the, the talks, just the conversations that we have, that we can create that field of love, peace and harmony and coherence that will then affect the world on a greater scale. So that was the initial intention. And we were at an event in Hawaii and we were chatting about this and we we're getting really excited And um, we came home and we kept having meetings for like four or five months. And we were doing all the spiritual work using the tools that, you know, have been given to us by Master Shah, connecting in with the, you know, the different realms, doing that that sort of spiritual manifestation practice, which has to this day continued to serve unity, which which is a nice thing to share because I think not necessarily, some people may not be aware of that spiritual foundation that was actually built as the container for unity, um, which I personally feel is what's allowed it to be successful because the field then has that love and everything in it, but it wasn't really grounding into the physical. uh, And it was only like four or five months before. And the thing was, we were all spread out around the world. And I sort of, I said to Ronan, we have to, uh, we have to really ground this down now. We we need to find people on the ground and um, we need to, we need to bring them in that they need to, this has to become theirs as well, which I think is a great lesson. It wasn't about us trying to find someone to manage our event for us or to connect with. It's really, and that's the, the concept of unity on the bigger scale as well. It, unity belongs to everybody. Everybody is part of unity. It's everyone has their unique voice that, that it's my hope that this container will allow people to, to um, use it. I just want people to use it. They don't, obviously you don't have to, but it's there to for people to share what their unique gifts are for the world and and bring that forth so ronan knew joe uh through some love fest events i didn't know many people because i'd been in this i'd been in this years of solitude as i sort of said i sort of had five years of keeping to myself doing my practices you know doing my doing my training all that sort of stuff so it was really the connection that ronan had with joe uh, and we had a couple of chats and then Joe sort of said, oh, we went to check out the property. And Joe said, oh, I'm going to bring this guy along who might want to get involved. And, you know, within three minutes in the car, 
me, Joe and Raf were just hitting it off and, and it all felt so good. And we had this amazing day when we checked out the property and cruised around together and, um, and it all sort of went from there. And the first event came together in like three, four months. It just went to a point where we had like, you know, I think 13 different communities involved around Sydney and a big unity, the meeting place being the meeting place where we all come from our different directions to join together, to rise up together. Um, and it, it, it has that, that understanding in the indigenous wisdom and roots, which the, the meeting place symbol has, has been born from those, those elements of, of the indigenous Aboriginal um, symbols and artwork in, in Australia. Well, the first one came together in four months and the second one came together in weeks, didn't it? Like... Yeah, it was wild. Yeah, <laughs> it was absolutely wild. It was, it, it was, it was actually a, it was a, physically it came together in about a month uh -huh. um, because of the unknowns around COVID and everything right. like that and, uh -huh. and, um, and what we would be allowed to do. And um, it was a big trusting thing. But I did have that trust because the first unity was actually a fundraiser for the bushfires. Yeah. Um, it wasn't originally going to be, but then the bushfires happened. So we said, let's make it a fundraiser. Right. And the, the fact that the event happened was like, was a sign to me that unity is for this time mm -hmm. because the fires had pretty much stopped any event, any festival happening in that sort of summer of 2020. And, um, and then, and including on the property in Wiseman's Ferry where we had Unity, then the floods came and the floods right. took everything out. And that was only two weeks before Unity. Mm. And they said to us, well, we'll hope, we hope it all dries out in time. And somehow it did. Yep. We had Unity. And then a week later, COVID started. And it was yes. just like, like, you know, so everyone was saying this, is, this event was such a blessing for us because then we went into isolation or lockdown for, yeah. for however long it was. Yeah. Uh, so I had that trust going into this year that it, it would all work out and it, and it did. Um, but it meant that um, a lot of things had to happen really quickly. And, and yeah. it was fairly intense. It did. It was beautiful and chaotic and, um, and amazing. <laughs> and, and I had a big, I had a big shift because I felt like your intention for transformation and healing was even stronger with the second event than it was with the first event. Maybe you were sort of more caught up in the logistics of putting on an event and then the intention, your intention specifically for that trans, that healing through transformation, mm -hmm. which as many Absolutely. people know, especially if you've been listening to these shows a lot, uh, transformation often occurs through chaos, just like your, con your kundalini experience. And so when there was that strong intention, desire for transformation and healing, it's usually going to be a fair bit of chaos, which is what happened at the second event. But it was yeah. very transformative for many people, including myself. And um, it, you, you, you spot on, Karen, it was absolutely intentional, not necessarily in how it all played out. Right. But um, the I realised in about October last year, so this is why I said that the, the planning for this year's event did actually go beyond that month, um, but the physical stuff happened in the month. So I realised about October last year, okay, the vision for unity is the message is together we have the power to change the world. Yeah. Together we have the power to create the world our heart says yes to. Now, if we're going to set that intention, well, we need to live up to that intention. Like we need to do the work to at least move in that direction. It's great to have like a high ideal and say, yeah, yeah, it's all about this. But what are you actually 
how are you facilitating that? You know, again, it's bringing those two worlds together. So uh, I actually um, started connecting with a whole new bunch of people who were connected within the community who I felt called and drawn to connect to to start exploring how can we facilitate this transformative process of the, within the festival space. And um, we were led to the, um, to, to the understanding of, of rites of passage and, and, the, and this concept of the liminal space, the liminal space being the space that you move into consciously and let go of something, a part of you to then be reborn through that space. The liminal space is, is that initiation space. And it's actually, this is, it was funny. When I spoke at Yes And last week, I felt like a little baby. I didn't know what to say because I was still so deep in this exploration beyond the event. So I'm saying this now, even from a, a new perspective that's been born out of even just the last couple of weeks on how important rites of passage are, how important that is um, and, and it's been in all ancient cultures, you know, whether it's when men hit puberty or women start menstruation, but it's for the whole family. And it's, it's think about it on a really relative term. And I guess you can probably relate with this, Karen, as well. Like, you know, for me growing up as a kid, I felt like I got to a point where I didn't want to be a kid anymore, but my parents were still treating me like I was a kid. Right. And I, I had years of back and forth of just trying to establish this new relationship which, right. which really had to come from a period of separation. Yes. And, and that, um, that, that's often the way, I think. But, um, oh, man, the synchronicities that have been happening up here has been wild. I, I literally ran into someone in a kebab store the other night. Why we were still in our own sort of form of rite of passage from Love Fest. And she's overhearing our conversation because we were just talking on another level. Like, and it was pretty wild. It was, it was fun. And she's pissing herself laughing. And, and she goes... To the kebab guy, you must have a great job. This is just so entertaining. And I went and I started talking to her. She just come from a three-day event that's all about rites of passage. This this internet, this this um, national organisation that is teaching these and bringing this back into schools. And I said, oh, you would have heard of the liminal space then. She goes, that's where I've been. And we so. It, okay, I just want to put this into perspective for people yeah. listening. So, yes, and was another festival that happened up on the Northern Rivers, which yeah. is where Alex is at the moment, which is the Byron Bay area. The, it's called the Northern Rivers. And it is, look, I always say that it, it's the magic happens like that. It's already a 5D vibration up there because there are so many souls that are drawn to that area that are, that are holding a different frequency. It's like the frequency of that area is already 5D, which means that manifestation just goes like that. You know, you have a thought and then, as you say, you're in a kebab shop and you're having that same conversation with a stranger. I, I When I'm up there, that is happening all the time. It's magic up there. Mm. So you spoke at Yes And, which is the name of another festival. Yes, sorry, yeah. Sure. <laughs> Thank you for that. I get excited. Well, so now. well, we were chatting about it before I turned the recording on, but people yeah. don't understand, like, what's Yes yeah. And? What's he talking about? Uh, yeah. And I was saying, Alex, why did they call it Yes And? It's like, okay, we all say, yes, we want to change the world. It's like, and what next? <laughs> Like, I love that. Yeah, yes, and. So, okay, yes, we all want to be a part of the shift and we want to, you know, create a new earth. And But and, how do we do that? And mm. what next? Mm. So um, there, the was a, space. there was a guy at Yes And called, oh, I hope I get his name right, Charles Eisenstein? Eisenstein? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a brilliant speaker, yeah. Incredible, yeah. right? He would have been on Zoom. 
because he was on Zoom. Yeah, he's in Hawaii. I think he lives in Hawaii. Yeah. And he got on and he said, he spoke all about what the festivals mean as a cultural event and symbol. Right. And he was touching on all these elements that we'd been discussing um, around liminal, like he didn't use the word liminal, but he was talking about that. The festival is a place where you let go. You know, you have CEOs talking to, you know, let's say dish hands, you know, everything, every, all these preconditions and pre, you know, pre-established order is left behind and everyone comes into this, what, what's, what's called a communitas an unstructured community of multiples and you're in this space which gives so much potential for new connection for synchronicity and that that is what i'm now tapping into of understanding deeper about the what unity really is yeah. it's it's a discovery because the festival is an ancient ritual it's an ancient Right. It goes back beyond before what we can think about. You know, you think about traveling to Mecca. That is, that is a festival. Yeah. And, and there's an element here of, of embodying this, this in the new world, which I feel is so important. So I, I, it's this discovery. Into, it feels so rich to me. It's discovery into that as a rite of passage yeah. and bringing those two things together. And, um, and so it's all actually simplifying for me, you know, because I, I was always thinking, oh, unity, like it's about changing the world. So we need to do everything, you know, we need to, <laughs> we need to create all these networks and do all this stuff. And now I'm just coming back to just what is the festival really about mm-hmm. in, its, in its Tao, in its highest embodiment? Mm-hmm. What is it really about? And um, I see so much color and so much joy and fun, but also devotion and 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 connection and transformation and transformation yeah so with the first unity i was involved in it and uh, i was one of the speakers and so it was at one place but there was a few things going on so there was a the hall where the speakers were but also food was being served there and then there was like a big tent a bit further away where the fun was happening the music and the dance and the yoga and the meditation and the ice baths and all this stuff it's sort of like fun and so what had happened at the first one was everyone was out there doing the fun stuff and not so many people were involved in the speakers. Mm-hmm. So with the second one, I had this intention. If I'm speaking, I want to be out there where the fun is. Like I want to be in a tent, you know, where are the actions happening? And then when you had the second one, you had this the liminal space, as you called it, which was mm-hmm. completely separate to the main festival. How many kilometres away? It was like two, three kilometres away. It was oh, 15, a, 15, 20 minute walk, something like that. It was like a that, bit yeah. of a trek. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember thinking, not only am I not where the action's happening, I'm so much further away. <laughs> so the transformation. I remember, us, I remember us having that conversation. Yeah. The yeah. transformation yeah, yeah, yeah. for me was like if half a dozen turned up, half a dozen people turned up to my out of four or 500 people that were there, like half a dozen people turned up to my talk last time. I'm expecting no one to turn up to my talk this time. And I was placed in a sort of bushland area outside one of the only venues that were outside next to a beautiful sacred rock, but it was a little bit difficult to find. And so my linear thinking mind was going crazy, right? And normally I'm not in a place of resistance or um, complaint, but when I got there, I was in that place of resistance and complaint and it had just, 
taken my energy down and people said to me you look terrible I said I know right I do because I was in this energy that I don't normally because I was trying to control what was happening so this is the transformation for me right because I had Mm. no control but I knew that I'm the only one of the only venues of outdoor speaking that it was going to rain because the forecast for that whole weekend was thunderstorms and rain and the thing is that it was sunny and bright and beautiful most of the time which was a miracle in itself and um, when I turned up for my talk, there was like all these people coming, which just absolutely amazed me. So half a dozen turned up, a dozen, 20, 30, you know, they just kept coming. One person, two people actually had swum. They had got in the river and swum down the river <laughs> and got out at the liminal space and found where I was talking. So they're wet in their swimming costumes. It was hilarious. And they're yeah. sitting there in the talk. Mm. And then the skies opened and it poured on all of us, which, and at that point, I'm in my complaint and resistance. At that point, I had to let go of complaint and resistance Mm. and just surrender that Mm. place of surrender. And I just remember just standing there and letting the rain, because it was torrential, just like run over me and just like surrender to the moment. Mm. And I, you know, any vanity throughout the window, because I'm sopping wet. I look terrible. Even my friend Rachel said, I've actually never seen you look so bad. And I go, yeah, right. And I'm speaking in front of all these people. (laughs) So I had to let go of vanity, control. I had to let go of all of it. Mm. It was so profound, really. And But what was even more beautiful, we had to run and find another place to speak, that all these people stayed, even though it was such a disruption. They stayed and they listened. And, yeah, so it was quite miraculous and profound, Alex. It was just I'm so I'm so happy to hear that story. Because <laughs> I, I, when, you, when you said the, the surrender, when you chaos. said the surrender, the whole I could feel that in this space just even now, like that feeling of that surrender. And um, that's what was so – and I've – I challenge a lot of people, you know, and, I, and, and there's so many lessons and learnings too from an organizational perspective. But this concept of this liminal space, like you talk about um, in your experience of, of your own rite of passage in a way or your own surrendering and, and, and it's not easy. It's really not easy. That's, that's what I've learned over, over my years of, of, of doing my, my work, you know. You, you really have to go through the gates of hell to get to heaven. You know, it's, it, 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 but, but you stay connected and, and, you know, but it can feel like sometimes you're in the abyss and you don't know how to get out. Um, anyway. I don't know if you have to go through the gates of hell because it, it's like you're, you're presented with what is and when you are in that place of allowing, no hell is there. It's the resistance to the what is that creates the hell it's the so the what is might be death disease divorce depression you know what is might not look like what your desires are so my desire is to be happy and enlightened and you know peaceful and like death might turn up or disease might turn up or an accident like one of my tribe her husband fell yesterday and kind of broke his neck and so Uh stuff turns up and we're all in there and everyone's doing panic and oh my god and shock and everything and I'm like stay focused stay focused stay focused and what what are you learning from this what's the message see him healed you know like use the magic to create what you want inside of what you don't want but you have to show up in non-resistance so the hell is the resistance which is what I was going through at unity because I was in resistance so I'm a bit of hell I think we froze oh you froze for a second are you back oh, yeah I lost you for a sec yeah 
That's I got it. what I got what you were saying. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's um absolutely. I I totally agree with you, and I um I, I look at it like like Joseph. I love Joseph Cam- Campbell's work, like the the hero's journey narrative and this idea of this mythos and um and you know he 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 talks about you know confronting the the dweller on the threshold you know it's like the 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 demon the darkest scariest thing that you've ever seen and you Mm -hmm. you and and you know that's unique to you like because it's all that that the culmination of all those experiences and it's not really a demon it's not really hell, but you need to, or the, the, the process, I suppose, is allowing yourself to face it or, and to right. walk past it and through it and right. to see that that's the, that's the great blessing and that's the great gift. Um, yeah. But it is, but it, but it is testing, you know, I think that's the thing. I think that's. Oh yeah. I, I remember reading when I was young that you will always manifest your greatest fear because there's so much energy behind that thought you know whatever it is that you're scared of Mm -hmm. uh it will come to you because there's so much energy behind it and energy is what brings it through manifestation whether it's excitement love energy or fearful energy or anger or rage um yeah and i thought god that's a frightening thought i'm going to manifest my biggest fear so uh Mm. i suppose that the journey is to not have the fear to not be fearful i just think of Jim Carrey in um, in uh, that movie where he's inside the bubble. What's that called? Uh, not Yes Man. Where um, the Truman Show. Oh and, yeah, yeah. And he's out there on the harbour, and the the person that's playing God to him in the Truman Show is turning up the wind and the lightning, and and he's just he's strapped himself, and he just said like he's talking to God, bring it on. Is that all you've got? Bring it on. <laughs> I just sort of love that. It's like, don't be scared of your biggest fear. Mm. Like you can embrace it and say, yes, bring it on. I can handle it. I can handle mm. it. Mm. And I think that's the empowerment, isn't it? Like it's, um, it's the, the fear, you know, there's that old saying, I remember Patti Smith, I was a big into my music when I was younger, Patti Smith saying, the only thing I fear is fear itself. Right. And, um, you know, that's, the, there's no need to fear your greatest fears will manifest whatever you need to confront right. so there's no need to fear that no in of itself it. just kind of i suppose you know allow it to happen and yeah. and then and then be there in that that moment knowing that it's actually clearing the way for you whether it's through your you know your, yourself and your experience but also your lineage and the world because that the more that the more that we, you know, like unity is an example of this. You, you you set this intention, you run this event for something, and you feel the fear of many people. You you experience that, not to separate it from yourself. Yeah. Allow it to 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 acknowledge that you're part of that as well. But but be that that processor for that. Be that um, embodiment of love that can look at fear and hold it and hug yeah. it. And open your arms to it, and mm. and that that's what love is, you know. Just mm. yeah. yeah, yeah. Love is not running away from the fear. Love is embracing it. Yeah, beautiful. Mm. So we could go more into what happened at Unity. It was a spectacular. The two spaces were just spectacular. I found the liminal space absolutely exquisite. It was mm. kind of underutilized because chaos was raining that, that weekend. Mm. <laughs> but there were so many beautiful things that. Mm 
were there. So what's next for Unity? Like, where do you want to take it? It's a great question. Um, the the thing was after Unity this year, because it was so condensed into that that period, I went. I I just shut down afterwards. Mm. I I couldn't talk to anyone. I couldn't hear feedback. Yeah. For a period, right? Yeah. Um, I just needed I just needed a break um, to to process it all because it was just it was so intense into that little period of time, and I wasn't getting guided, which was very. Um, confronting just to sit in that space uh and that's what i mean when i went to yes and last week i was like what do i say because so much is still integrating and processing uh i went to a dear friend's um michelle's property in the hunter valley uh incredible indigenous lady and she runs this property and she was teaching us how the different trees for instance and different bits of land would be used for for teaching or that have different purposes and one of them was the direction tree and it was such an interesting tree. It was, I've never seen anything like it. every stick kind of pointed out like this in a different direction. And I just said to the tree, uh, where do, like, what do you have to tell me? And it said, go north. Okay. So now what I'm doing up here is, is already so many realizations that I've already shared a little bit about uh, are happening. And I certainly want um, to, to be doing unity more than just as an annual event. Like we did run smaller events last year, but it's just understanding a little bit what that smaller, more intimate space might look like. Uh And I feel like it will be really tapping into these ideas of the rite of passage and and creating these initiations. Um, The people who are ready to go on can, and and, and through that process, creating community connections and that that we then will prosper and, and flourish out in the world as well. So uh, it's, it's still coming into being, but it, it certainly will be, um, there, there will be a smaller embodiment and probably multiple manifestations of, of unity before next year's main event. So the event that you were involved with, the Yes And event, was a live physical event, right? But they were also utilising the Zoom, the, the online platform, or was it, an all, was it an all online event? Yeah, they did half-half. Right. So it was Which a is- very fascinating really to, to be able to do that I think it is it is mm. it was it was beautiful like they had the they originally were an in-person event and then last year they had to do it online because of COVID because of COVID right. their, their last oh <laughs> they were going to do it at the Grove uh near near Wiseman's because back then they were living down uh, Dan who's the Daniel Kalaspi amazing guy he, he was living down in Sydney so um they had to do it online, but they, their last thought was maybe we can put everyone in space suits because <laughs> they hadn't brought in the actual restrictions yet of like having to stay at home. It's like, maybe we can do it in space. Like, I don't know. We better do it online. <laughs> so they were, they were actually one of the first events to go online. It was within a few weeks and I, I really acknowledged them for that at the time. And so this year they wanted to bring that um, element in with a physical space. So we were up yeah. on this beautiful hill, actually just on the other side of the hill where I am at the moment, had a great property. You could see all of Byron Bay, but it was only about 20, 30 people in the physical hub. So okay. very intimate, but then there was hundreds all around the world yeah. who were tuning in. So, it, yeah. Well, that's the thing. It opens it up to the global audience. You know, mm. I do most of my work online because uh, I like to include the world. Like I like to yeah, include the global audience and the Higher Self Expo obviously is a global audience and we're, 
it's a 24-hour expo where we're including all time zones. Even though it's a live event, it'll always be available to watch later if you don't show up live um, to watch the speakers live. But having the speakers talk live unedited is a challenge in itself, getting everyone on in on time. And, you know, there's no editing. Unlike my show, like I can edit out anything. (laughs) It's it's all raw and out there. Yeah, so... But it's nice to be able to sort of marry those two things, yeah. the in person and and um, the online as well. I, I do I do like it. There was an interesting perspective that was brought by Charles Charles uh, Eisenstein last week, yeah. where he said, "I don't know if I can call this a festival," because he was talking about the festival. He said the physical space, yes, is a festival, but he says I don't know if the the online space can actually be called that because it's missing some of those dimensions that right. the in-person space allows, like that synchronicity yes. and, and all those sort of things that we've touched on earlier. So um, I, I see both. Like I, I love that they've done that and particularly for what Yes and are doing, which is such a rich wealth of information. If anyone is, is interested, you can still access the recordings all online as well. So I'd, I'd you know, encourage everyone to have a look at that. Um, so in that space, absolutely. And also at the same time with Unity and thinking, well, would I do, would, would I want to do something online potentially, but I feel like where I'm being drawn in the moment is really that even if it's just a smaller container of people, just allowing that all, you know, really to understand that, that festival in its full embodiment mm. and the physical space as well. Mm. Oh, beautiful, darling one. We've been yakking for about an hour and a half. I suppose we should uh, wrap this up. So I look forward to hearing your talk at the Higher Self Expo. I think it's going to be fascinating because you seem to have a grasp on the whole science aspect of what spirituality is, especially mm. with all the sacred geometry and stuff. I'm trying to get, um, do you know Roman, Roman Light? No. Uh, I'll introduce you to him. Uh, he said he'd come and talk. Um, he's He works in the world of science and sacred geometry. And, yeah, he's fascinating. You might want to get him to chat at a unity festival yeah cool uh, there's another he's an aussie guy he's um he's actually not born here but he lives here there's another guy called jane mathematics do you know jane mathematics i've uh, heard the name you've heard of him yeah, yeah he yeah. can't come and speak this time but he said uh he's he's got other things in the pipeline for him but he said maybe in a in another expo so these are sort of these crazy geniuses that are so into this sacred geometry and mathematics explaining how science how spirituality is through this science of geometry and mathematics Mm. goes a little bit over my head I have to say sort of like you know Nassim Haramain sort of like when he starts talking about this stuff I get a little lost but um, Mm. it Mm. is fascinating stuff so Mm. Mm. anyway the world is an exciting place yeah I definitely look forward to to talking there and just seeing what comes out in that space and and bringing that Tao understanding and that Tao wisdom um, which is beautiful again because it's it can be understood in that multiplicity like we talked about, but they say in the Tao, Da Dao Jujian, which is the biggest way is extremely simple. Right. So the, 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 which, which always makes me think of Einstein right. saying, if you can't explain it to a five-year-old, you don't, don't really understand well it yourself. Exactly. So um, personally, I always come back to that and think, okay, how can, how can I want to make the spiritual non-spiritual? You know, I, like, yeah. I, mean, I don't mean non-spiritual. It's obviously going to be spiritual, but I, I want to be able to talk to the every day that, that, that don't even feel like, like not in spiritual lingo, like just something that's so obvious. Yeah. The every day. It's right in yeah. front of you. Exactly. You know? 
Yeah. I remember I did this guided meditation once and, and during the guided meditation, you're outside a cave and there's a pile of clothes that you put on to go and meet the master in the cave, whether it's the Jesus or the Buddha or the God or whatever, mm. you know, how do you dress to meet God? And I remember I put on my tracksuits, <laughs> like I put on a tracksuit to go into the cave to meet the master. Mm. And then when I thought about that, I, I have that same intention, you know, spirituality doesn't have to be ritual and dress up and, you know, and God is elusive and outside, you know, it's like when you're sitting on the couch in your tracksuit pants is when you can have the most enlightening spiritual moments. It can be the most spiritual practice of your day, you know, mm. be in your tracksuit. Mm. So uh, to mm. meet God, yeah, to meet God, you don't have to be dressed up to meet God just mm. who you are every day. Yeah. A celebration as well. That's that I'm still talking about. I'm still on the unity, the, the unity wavelength a bit, but this, this concept of, it was a vision I had many, many years ago and now it's coming clearer with unity. It's, it's, it's healing through love and celebration. And, 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 you know, it's like, you know, it doesn't need to be ritualistic in the old ways of speaking about it, but a big thing that's, that's this sort of rite of passage that comes from if this liminal understanding is we can create our own rituals that, that have relevance to us. We can, and that still have that connection and that, that, that aspect of, of, of the greater connection of all life, but we can make them relevant and, and there can be a dance and a celebration. It can be dressing up if that's what you want, you know, let that happen um, and then still be connected at the core of it all. So yeah. Anyway, I, I'm still. I'm, I'm, I feel like I could keep talking, but I think it's probably time we're back <laughs> because otherwise I'll just keep going. <laughs> oh, honey, one, it's been such a joy and a blessing and gorgeous to hear more of your story. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you, Karen. It's been, sharing, it's been so fun sharing and, uh, your journey and your wisdom. It's been beautiful. Yeah, thank you. It's a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. What a beautiful young man, isn't he? Isn't he gorgeous? We talked for. <laughs> We talked for another almost an, almost an hour after I turned off the recording about all sorts of different things. Um, yes, extraordinary, extraordinary human being, Alexander. Alexander is. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I know I did. It was uh, so fascinating to hear more about his journey because, as I said, I'd met him physically and we'd sort of talked about a few things and just organisation of festivals and speaking and all that sort of stuff, logistics. So I hadn't really heard his journey. I knew that he was very involved in the uh, Master Shah community. I knew that. And, um, yeah, I've heard good things and bad things about that community. Like any community, there's some good and there's some bad. I remember I had one of the masters on my show uh, years ago, back in 2014, and um, they offer prayers and blessings for sick people and they charge for that. And somebody had expected her terminally ill husband to be miraculously healed if she'd spend a few dollars on a prayer and a blessing and it didn't happen. So she rang up and she was very upset <laughs> and, and like blaming that community for her husband's death. And I'm like, really? Anyway, people come at these things, you know, with expectation, but ultimately we're the creators of our reality. And sometimes death is a great awakener. As you know, if you've read the book Awakened by Death, can be a catalyst for our spiritual understanding and journey. So, uh, yeah, many miracles and magic happens inside the Master Shah community. Uh, he talks about healing and manifestation, a bit like what we've been talking about in the Inner Sanctum lately. We've been doing energy work, quantum play, and talking about healing and manifestation and using our consciousness and deliberate intent and desire and attention 
and calling on the energy of source and the heart to shift, uh, you know, distortion in the body or distortion in your life and to a new reality, like choosing different timelines, parallel realities. And there's so much to play with when you have a better understanding of how the universe works, which is what we'll be exploring more in the Higher Self Expo and the science of spirituality, where science and spirituality meet. Uh, yeah, so life, it's a fascinating ride, isn't it? A fascinating ride. And uh, please remember to write your comments and leave your questions. And uh, if you want to know more about Alex, obviously you can go. He's got his community called the Unity uh, Community on Facebook. I don't actually think they've got a website, I should ask. I didn't ask if there's a website for the festivals. I don't think they have. I know Joe has for Love Fest. And um, yeah, so there's a lot happening. And I was just saying to him that when 20 years ago, or longer, 30 years ago when I was his age, uh, everyone that was involved in the spiritual consciousness space were sort of, were worse, not sort of, were women, mostly 99.9% .9 were women and they were usually older and I was hanging out with a lot of older people. Now I'm hanging out with a lot of younger people because in my generation in the 20s and in their 30s, people in my generation were not so much into this conversation. And so the people organising meetings and festivals were mostly women there were very few men and so to see these four men come together to organize the you know love space and unity and and even the yes and festivals that are happening there are so many festivals and and things being organized by men now it's just the world has changed and um, we are in a different time it's just wonderful to see to see that yeah it's just beautiful to see that the rise of the feminine masculine unity energy within all of us all right i'm not going to yak too much more i'm going to go and have some breakfast thank you again for watching and listening i've got oh, i'm so excited garnet Shawhouse is coming back into our inner sanctum as a guest teacher in may around the 23rd 24th of may uh, to uh, talk about his QHHT and all his books and he's written a new book Ozark Ma Mountain Press is not releasing it until next year even though he finished it at the end of last year I don't know why it takes publishers so long over a year to put out a book uh, he said he's not allowed to talk about it until it's published until it's out there but I might get him to talk tell us a few things about what's in the next book I'm so excited for his next book can't wait to read it he just rocked my world Garnet Shawhouser you'll hear me if you watch my shows, you'll hear me speaking about him all the time. And I've been thinking about getting Rini and Robert into the Inner Sanctum this year too, who channels the uh, Archangels, Robert channels the Archangels, to quiz them about a few things that I didn't quiz them about on the show. I've been percolating and thinking about sort of global questions about our contracts between different species, you know, sacred contracts between animals and uh, Robert was saying that, um, you know, we don't have a, a contract with the animals to eat them. Uh, and so therefore we shouldn't. Um, but there is a contract with fish to be a food source. It's just really interesting. Some of the sort of rules in, that have been put in place uh, spiritually. And um, he had some interesting things to say about the coronavirus and eating pork and some. Yeah. So I've been thinking about getting him into the inner sanctum to quiz him and just expanding on that conversation about sacred contracts and what are the arrangements for humanity and where are they going as we evolve obviously they change they shift and change as we evolve because i would say that back in the days when we were hunter and gatherers there was definitely a spiritual contract 
or agreement in place to kill animals for food sources, but doesn't, and apparently according to the archangels, we no longer, that's no longer in place, even though we do it en masse in our world, like huge industry, the food industry. So yeah, so I wanted to quiz him about that, or him, the angels about that through Robert. Uh, so there's lots of fabulous teachers coming up in the Inner Sanctum this year. So if you want to join us, please do. And remember to buy the book Awakened by Death and I'll see you on the next one. Big love.